This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. The Share Your Hotness podcast is brought to you by Van Garrett Media. Hi, I'm Chris Van Garrett, founder and chief marketing officer of Van Garrett Media. If you're a business owner or a knowledge worker, you know that crafting your own voice and message around your brand is absolutely crucial to your success, especially in the COVID and post-COVID era. But how do you do all of that at the same time still work on your business instead of in it? Don't have a website? Is your logo one of those $50 specials from Fiverr? Was your tagline just stolen dialogue from a 90s sitcom? Hey, we've all been there. You had to start somewhere, am I right? This is where Van Garrett Media can help. We specialize in digital marketing and branding for small and medium-sized businesses. We get to know the root and soul of your business, finding out what makes you tick and why, and then we craft a message that'll make your target audience see you as the solution to their needs. We'll then bring them to you through targeted marketing efforts using everything from social media and SEO to email campaigns to old-fashioned television commercials, radio, and press releases. You can find us on Facebook. Just search out Van Garrett Media, two R's, two T's, or give us a call, 801-386-3896. That's 801-386-3896. 3896. Mention this ad and get a hundred bucks off your custom branding package. That's 801-386-3896 or check us out on Facebook, Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share Your Hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Welcome to Share Your Hotness with my guest, Richard. And you know what? We're going to do this over again because, Richard, what's your last name? Bliss. Bliss. <laughs> Perfect. So I could be confused with, with hotness because that, you know, that joke we were having earlier, That's right? That's right. Okay, so let's right. start it over again. Bliss. Bliss. Okay, so welcome to Share Your Hotness with my guest, Richard Bliss. And Richard and I were actually introduced We for a mutual friend, um, Devin. And he's amazing, Devin Thorpe. He's actually run for, um, you know, local government, and he ran a podcast with like twelve hundred episodes. I was a guest. I was a guest you. too. Yes. Right. So, um, and I remember the moment that Devin approached me to be on it, and I was like, "What?" And then later he interviewed Bill Gates, and I was like, "Yeah, I've been on the same podcast as Bill Gates." Do you right. throw that out? Uh, occasionally, occasionally you know why not right <laughs> well and and devin is so i mean not that we're going to talk about devin but he's so unassuming and he's so yeah. um humble as a, as a man and so sometimes when i've worked with him in the past it's like devin tell your story a little stronger because you've done some amazing things and so we'll bring him up in this conversation because yeah and cool devin and i are both speakers and that's how i met devin and it's just a great, great example because my podcast is fairly new and yet Devin's like, you should meet my friend. And it's networking and connection is. is a necessary school skill, necessary school, necessary skill in life and connecting and happiness. Because I think a lot of people, they think they only know their family or they or your neighbors and, you know, who do they know and they know and so on to create support and a network around yourself. So that that could be a whole conversation itself but i want to start with the story you told me off camera about meeting your lovely wife okay such a good story so there's a there's another half to the story that uh, (laughs) we didn't talk about and that is um i just wrote my second book my first book was written during a transitional period because i'm in tech and it happens tech companies get bought and sold and everything but what happened was, is that I was the vice president of marketing for an international company and they let me go and gave my job to my wife. 
<laughs> which was kind of, it, I mean, it was awkward. Who is now my ex-wife. Uh, right. Think, and right? was that a part of the breakup? I got to believe it kind of contributed because not that I didn't handle it well, I handled it as best I thought I could, but I don't necessarily think I handled it well. So that was the awkwardness. Um, there were some other things, uh, but suddenly I found myself divorced um, after having been married uh, in a marriage relationship for nearly 30 years. I'm dating for the first time. I'm trying to figure this out. My adult daughter is living with me. She's trying to give me advice, like what not to do, uh, keeping me going. And I was struggling. And so I sat down with my neighbor who happened to be a very good friend. He became my bishop, my pastor, my ecclesiastical leader. But at this point, he was just a, a buddy and we're out having dinner and I'm kind of lamenting about this terrible dating at this age. And he said, Richard, it's probably, it's, the problem is you don't know what you're looking for. And I said, what do you mean, Dave? And he said, look, if you're looking for someone who's financially stable, you're in tech, date somebody in tech. He said, if you're looking for somebody who's into health and, and fit, go to the gym. And then he said, if you're looking for somebody who's like intellectual, join a book club at that moment. I realized that my dear friend at work, because we both worked at tech, Stephanie, she and I would hang out at the company gym talking about her latest book that she was reading in her book club and lending it to me so I could go read it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I know that person. And it was at that, I mean, literally. I love him so much. He's like, she's the total package. Oh my gosh. And it was right there in front of me. And yeah. What was funny is that I had been dating. I kept going to work and telling her all of these stories of this craziness of dating. It, it obviously when I was in college and dating was way different than it is now. Yeah, now they have the the apps, right? And yeah. my buddies, my buddies, like, oh yeah, get on these apps, and I did. I'm not even going to say what apps I got on because I didn't know. And my daughter, who was living with me and working with me at the tech company, found out one day. She's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, what is this thing? She's like, dad, if you want to date online, I will help you, but please get off these dating apps. <laughs> and uh, she ended up meeting because we worked together knowing my uh, now wife, Stephanie, and, and literally told me, dad, if you screw this one up, I'm staying with Stephanie, you're on your own. So I love it. <laughs> our two year anniversary is a week from today. Oh, congratulations. Are you doing something fun for your anniversary? Uh, getting a COVID shot. <laughs> <laughs> my husband just got his uh second vaccination yep. yesterday it'll and be our he second had, he had you know, a little bit of chills but that's about it but yeah, so we're, we're not planning anything simply because we're both getting our covid second covid shot yeah and then you can plan something yeah, without any something. any concerns or any any weirdness yes very exciting i'm in a medical study so there's a 66 percent chance i've been vaccinated but i've been exposed twice and didn't get it so interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But you know, I'm help I'm helping science. Okay, <laughs> so, that works. That yeah. Works. That way it'll help people. I, I happen to have an autoimmune, but I'm medically stable as they put it. So it's helping people who have autoimmunes to know what, so they're analyzing my blood and all that kind of stuff. And if wow. it helps people to feel more calm about it, then that's, that's a good thing. Right. So I volunteered to be a guinea pig. Nice. Well, yes. Well, well, so, well done. So tech, when you were a little kid, you know, the tech was very different because you were around the same age, I'm presuming. Yeah. Um, you might be a tad older than me because you, ha you had kids what ages again, your oldest? My oldest is 32. Yeah, so you're older than I am, <laughs> unless yeah, yeah. you started really young. No, you look good, no. though, for those but of I you did, who can't see him. 
and just as a side note, uh, as I when I go out to dinner with my daughters on multiple occasions, if I go out with a, one daughter, they have been approached. If I get up and leave the table, they have been approached by strangers criticizing them for dating such a an older man. So oh. we look. They think it's hilarious that their dad looks so young. So yes, I appreciate. Yeah, you that. look like you're about you know forty. I'm forty seven, and I was like, he might be a tad older than I am. You know. But that's I'm more, than a, I'm more than a decade older. Yes. Well, my dad is a truck driver and he, when I was a little girl, he'd hold my hand in the truck stops, right? Which was this very, you know, soothing kind sure. of I'm with my dad. And this is before we had family travel centers, right? right. But then when I got to be where I started, you know, showing a shape, my dad wouldn't hold my hand anymore because he didn't want it to look like exactly he, you know, he was dating me and that would have been more of the the norm you know the young girl is trying to escape a bad situation and the trucker and there's a name for that and you know yeah. all this kind of thing and so but it was devastating to me that my dad wouldn't hold my hand um perhaps even more devastating when my teenager wouldn't hold my hand anymore <laughs> it happens it happens <laughs> yeah so um yeah that's pretty funny there it's weird that people would feel the need to um to comment on other people's relationship so one story is I walk into a restaurant with my daughter, uh, Maggie, who is now about to turn, uh, she's almost 30 and she's 29. She won't, she won't appreciate me saying that she's almost 30. Yeah, she's, we, 29. she's 29. <laughs> we walk into a restaurant and uh, there was uh, one woman in the corner that just gave off a bad vibe. I'm like, okay, we're going to sit clear on the other side of the restaurant. And we sit down, we're having our lunch or dinner or whatever it was. I get up to use the restroom. As I come out of the restroom, every woman in the restaurant turned and looked at me. Now, I thought, <laughs> you, you, it is your imagination, dude. It is your ego that you think that every woman in this restaurant just looked at you. And I'm like, oh, man. So I sit down. I don't say anything. I sit down. We're eating. We finish. We get in the car. And my daughter turns to me and says, Dad, did you notice every woman in the restaurant looking at you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I should wear the shoot it shirt again. <laughs> No, when I got up and went to the restroom, that woman in the corner that had given me the bad vibe yells across the restaurant, hey, is that your husband? And my daughter has to yell back across the restaurant, no, that's my dad. The woman then thinks that she's in a conversation, yells back, he's really good looking. <laughs> As I come out of the restroom and enter the restaurant, Every woman turns to look, and it was not my imagination. So it was like, wow. That's, that's, so she, so her reaction was not being upset that she was younger than you, is that you were off the market. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I did, but my, don't I mean, date about that my, woman. I, and I tried to sit as far away from that woman's spot because I just had that vibe. So that yes, is my so children, funny. So I always think it's funny when people feel the need to comment other people's relationships. And I think our world would be just so much happier if we just didn't do that. Yeah. That, I just that, assume that. if people are together, they're happy and it's none of my business. And if they're adults, like it's just none of my business. That's a good approach. Now you were going to ask me about tech because you mentioned- Yes, I was going to ask you about tech because being, I remember when I was in junior high, you know, the tech was very different and the yes. capacity. So how did you get into tech from this world of, you know, computers are bigger than a room? I majored in history. <laughs> See, I knew there was a story yeah. there. Everybody at the, and everybody would always ask me, what are you gonna do with that degree? I'm like, nothing. I'm gonna just get a degree and study history. Uh, 
I was attracted to tech early on and just because uh, PCs weren't around when I was in high school, so I'm that old, but I got exposed to computers back in, the first computer I ever saw was in the 60s. Okay. And my mother, who's very, actually quite young, um, was studying computer science at the university in Spokane, Washington. And while I was a young child, and I got to see her programming, the concept of programming back, punch cards, soldering, that type of thing. So she was very early in that. So much so that when I read um, the Rocket Girls, I think that's the story. Uh, it's Hidden Figures came out, and then the other one was- Love Hidden Rocket. Figures. I haven't seen Rocket Girls yet, but- Well, it's not a movie, but it's a book from JPL. So Okay, then I'll have to put that on my list. The women computers in JPL. And as I'm reading this book, I'm realizing it's the exact same time that my mother was studying computers in the 60s. And so I even called her up and had a conversation about it. She wasn't part of JPL. So your mom was one of those early computers. Early computers. And then in the 70s, um, she went back to college and I would go with her at night school and they had computers, uh, massive computers in the um, computer room that I would get to play. I was in high school and I got to sit and play it. This is in the uh, late 70s, play on the computer, play, literally wow. play. Wow. And, and then uh, in the 80s, um, right as PCs came out, my mother bought a, a Zenith Z100 uh, Winchester hard drive with a 10 megabyte hard drive that cost her $5,000. And what did and that, that computer do then? Like add? She started her CPA firm, but yes. Uh, okay. Uh, and to tell a side story, I woke up one morning, my brother and I were learning how to use it. And, and I woke up one morning and my brother is still sitting at the computer in the same clothes that from the night before. And I said, what happened? Well, for those who or old enough to remember, it was a, he was formatting floppy disks <laughs> when you had to do that. But because this was a hard drive, when he typed in format, it formatted the hard drive and not the floppy disk. And so, because it didn't have safeguards, this is early, early days. Oh, he man. literally was reinstalling all of the software that had been installed all night Before long. Before mom woke up. <laughs> Before mom woke up. Um, but that's, that's how I got started. And then I went to work for a company. Well, I worked at Word Perfect Corporation uh, in Utah, uh, early age. Ashton. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gary Ashton and was it Gary? Yeah. No. Funny story about them. We have really good friends that were their neighbors before he hit it big. And uh, we went over to his house and the, the, the adults were making the comment that it was really sad that he just wasted his time playing on the, that computer, computer thing all day. And yeah. So it's kind of like later, it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, what was he doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's that's where creating an environment. Early, early age, and I'm I'm at that age where um, where I'm too young to be part of the Bill Gates era, and I'm too old to be part of the Zuckerberg and the the next generation of Facebook. I'm just in that middle period, and so what I discovered was is that my expertise and understanding how an older generation struggles with technology and how our younger generation adopts it so readily that there's actually a communication gap that happens in between that young people don't understand why the old person doesn't know that doesn't know what they don't know and the old person doesn't know what they don't know and doesn't know how to ask it mm -hmm. and i have bridged that gap for almost the, all of my career which has led to where i am today my own business helping senior leaders understand how to navigate in today's days world it's social media but yes that's exactly where to bring that story to shorten that story to bring it up that's what that's, no, that's amazing so that's in your book digital first leadership yeah. It, um, yes. What's in my book, <laughs> Digital First Leadership, is my helping mostly senior leaders 
understand how to make this transition to think digitally first when it comes to leadership, because they're still struggling with, I mean, I hear people say all the time, well, I don't really care about social media. Or I had an executive the other day say, I have three myths that I identify of social media when it comes to senior leaders. They don't have the time, it's all self-promotional, and they don't have anything to say. And I had a, a, an executive say to me, I'd really like to do it, but I just don't have the time. And, you know, I'm not really into the self-promotion. And what would I say anyway? Almost read like right out of my book. <laughs> that executive yeah. happened to be my mother. Oh. And here's a woman who I have watched be out in the forefront time and time again, her own businesses. She's a multimillionaire. She's been able to sell her businesses, build them back up, sell another one. And yet here she was expressing to me the very three myths that almost every senior leader I encounter says. I don't have the time. What's the value? What was the other one? I don't have the time. It's self-promotional and I have nothing of value to share. Wow. Wow. And I've worked with some incredible executives. And when they tell me that, any one of those three, it's always shocking, particularly the part that they don't have anything to share. Because each of us, you know this, each of us have a story. Each of us has a unique uh, life that is full of lessons. And all I need to do is pull those lessons out. And that's what I share in the, in the book is one, how to pull those less, those stories out. And then how to yeah, find think, the time. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. How I'm to just... find the time. And then how to realize that it is not about self-promotion, that in today's digital first world, I will go look you up on LinkedIn long before I ever meet you in person. Your digital identity has now, and COVID has really flipped it. 2020 really did that. I, we now will be introduced to the vast majority of the people in our lives digitally long before we meet them personally. Now, something I have five daughters, and over the years, they have really resisted in letting dad know who they're dating because what does dad do? I go track them down. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, anything else. They're like, why is your dad following me? I got multiple phone calls from my children. Dad, stop following my boyfriend. You're stalking oh, me. Oh, I, I stalk my, fr- my kids' friends. Like, I start hearing a name. I'm like, oh, Absolutely. What, what, what was that last name again? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not telling and, dad. Yeah, and I'm looking, you know, male and female, because I want to know what kind of influences are in my kids. I want to know what kind of music they're listening to. Right. Because I want to know, because they're tribal brains, teenagers, and that doesn't end until like 26. Right. And one of these interesting things in today's world is we actually, our language does not have a proper identifier for this new digital relationships that we have. When you meet someone, I mean, you and I have met, you yeah. and I know each other, mm-hmm. yet, yet we've never been in the same physical space at the same time. And I've had people tell me, look, I won't connect with anybody online if I haven't met them in person. And I'm like, why? What is magical about you spending a significant amount of time in the same three foot space with somebody? Right, right. And in reality, almost all of our important relationships now, I'm not talking about family, but in business are going to be conducted online in a virtual environment. And if you're limiting yourself to only being a physically located at the same time at the same space, then you're woefully yeah limiting your abilities to function in today's I, I will limit I will limit it to somebody I've met who've read my books or we're united by some kind of common purpose that way it lets me negate the guy who's trying to date me because my I'm very much married any app can become a dating app if you're creepy enough that's, <laughs> that's exactly and right I will admit on LinkedIn if I get um explicit messages I won't call the guy out but I will share his message 
Yes. As an example of this is the kind of thing, I won't like put his name, like black it out or something because it tips toes into the arena of sexual harassment. I'm here for a professional networking purpose and nowhere on my profile did I give you any indication that I'm receptive that that was, to this. Right. And we so, no, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say people, you know, when we're face to face, people want attention you know, like think of everybody's like a toddler, right? So if you give people negative attention, it also is a payoff. So that's yes, why you want to X out their name because when people start talking about XY celebrity, thank you. You just gave them more exactly hits and more SEO power. You know, if you don't like someone, don't comment on their thing. Don't like it. Don't share it. Don't share their name. That's why I think yeah. shooters should be like the person whose name is now lost to history. Yeah. We should not be glamorizing their names. And that's on one side. And then on the other that you brought up is that my team, my organization, we lead a women in technology selling. We actually do a course for our clients of, for women only to talk about how to, how to do business online in this digital first world. Because I, do, I train a lot of companies and a lot of individuals and the male colleagues, it's not that they don't care, but they just have no concept of understanding what it's like. And so we have a, a, a dedicated training that is free to our clients of ongoing every month where just the women come together and they talk about the very issues that they're facing. Like what you just said, how do you handle the stalkers? How do you handle this? How do you present yourself? Do you put the dates on your graduation from the university? Mm. Because that tells people exactly how old you are and that's where they've gone to look. Whether it's an employer or a stalker, that's what they're going. So we tell for most women, remove those dates off your graduation on LinkedIn. There's no need to be there unless you happen to need that date to justify in today's world of male dominated in the tech industry that you belong, you belong at the table. And sometimes your age is what you use to get there. So all of these issues become such a big challenge for particularly women today in tech. And but I love that. I love that you're having the conversations because challenges are overcome through conversation. And they're, they're also showing that men, because of the Me Too movement, which you know, I wrote a book you know, combating that we should be victim and angry and go after men because men are affected by this as well, but that men are actually becoming more and more afraid to work with women because they're afraid of accusations. And so by having these conversations, you're helping to minimize that fear, or I shouldn't say minimize, to um, help dismiss the need to be fearful of this coworker because you know exactly what the safe parameters are. And it's driven by the women on my team, not by me. I don't, there's, it, it's, so it's a safe environment that they can specifically talk about the issues that they can't talk about in front of their male colleagues. Very good. Very good. That's really impressive. Okay. So going back to the concept in your book of not getting value, you know, seeing not the purpose of it, it reminds me a little bit of conversation, you know, that like my husband's very analytical. Exactly. And so every conversation kind of has a point. Right. And so I joke that because I like to, you know, I like to be touched. I like to have my hand held that he'll be like, oh, I got to keep wife happy. Oh, she likes to be touched. Oh, therefore put arm around wife, you know? And I'm like, oh, he's loving and protective. And I'm like, oh, you're so loving and protective. And he's like, yes, very yeah. loving and protective. Right. So it's like this reinforcing because he he's making well an effort. Trained. He sounds well yeah. <laughs> No, his, his mother did that. Oh, <laughs> I God. can't take credit right. for that. Um, He's a type A and I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a type A. So let, we all know who, who trains who when it, when there's a type A in the house. Right. Um, but 
you know, having conversations on social media is really just sharing the little meaningless snippets in a lot of ways that are the most interesting. It is, but this becomes, um, and I'm going to, and I focus on LinkedIn because that's, everybody has a LinkedIn account. Every, everybody in my world, if you're in business with a job, looking for a job, you got a LinkedIn. You might not have an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. There's all kinds of reasons, but LinkedIn, everybody has that. And I so agree that that's important and to have a picture on there. If you're, Absolutely. if you're trying to do anything in business, I totally agree with that. And, and that's, I cover that in the book as well. How do you have a professional presence? And particularly on LinkedIn, we talk a little bit about Twitter and Facebook, but those have very different engines that drive their engagement. And the LinkedIn engine or algorithm is very focused on business uh, relationships and business conversations. But there is a limit where ex particularly executives uh, are hesitant to put out personal information. And I talk about in the book, the difference between personal and private is that oftentimes when we think personal, we then assume private. And I use some examples of some of uh, my colleagues and, and guests and clients. One in particular is that we use that as an example. She's a runner. That's personal and actually can help you connect with your clients and prospects and customers or employers. Where she runs and when she runs private. is private. And so yeah. we talk about how to tell that story. But for a lot of people, LinkedIn is perceived as, well, I can only talk about business. I can only talk about my company, my product, my business, because it's LinkedIn. And, we, and, and it's like, that's not the case. If you went to a networking event, a business networking event, you're not just going to talk about your product because then pretty soon you're going to be talking to yourself. Nobody, <laughs> right. wants, nobody, want, nobody wants to talk to you. The 30 second commercial thing drives me nuts. And you get it, right? Hey, connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll, uh, I'll you know, so we can set up a call so I can learn about your business so I can sell you something, right? We get those on right. LinkedIn all the time. And I don't, I don't even, I just say, we just met. I act like I'm being coy. <laughs> I'm like, we just met and you're already giving me homework. Yeah. So here's a couple of things people might not know. If somebody reaches out to you with a message before you've connected, somebody sends you a, a, a message. They actually are usually paying LinkedIn for that privilege and they have a limited number of those they can do every month. If you respond to that message, it's a credit they use. So I'm going to, you and I aren't connected on LinkedIn. I'm going to reach out and send you a message. I've used up one of my credits. If you respond to my message, I get my credit back. And now I can do it again to somebody else. So if you receive unsolicited messages on LinkedIn, now I'm not talking about connection requests, but unsolicited, unsolicited messages, then the best thing to do is not respond at all. You prevent that credit from being given back to that person who's bugging you. But that's just a, that's just a simple one. Um, here's something else that I do on LinkedIn. That is, thank you. You're like welcome. totally handling that differently. Here's Love something it. else that I do. If you go look at my LinkedIn right now, you will notice a small dot in front of my first name. Just random. A lot of people don't even notice it. If you go look at any member of my team, you'll find a different emoji. One has a moon, a mountain, but it's all right in front of their name. The reason is, is because people who use automated bots to send connection requests are scraping your name to put into their system to send you that connection request. If you put any kind of indicator, in my case, a dot, if you say, hey, dot Richard, I saw we have a lot of people in common. I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. That's a bot. And so by putting a small, so go look up Richard Bliss, me, and you'll see that small dot so that I quickly can filter out all of the bots and just delete those because they're doing Keep that. going, Richard. This is gold. I love it. 
All right. So here's a few. So we'll keep going here. Here's a few things I'm going to talk about. I'm here taking notes. How to spot a bot. (laughs) Well, we are recording the call, right? Yes. Yes. But I still, I still, I just, how that's how I learn. (laughs) So here's something to think about. And that is LinkedIn. I'm going to talk, I'm going to go into some details here about LinkedIn because LinkedIn functions fundamentally different than Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all the other social media platforms. Those are often referred to as a rage economy. The more they can suck you in with emotions and everything and keep you under like Mm. holding a puppy Mm. underwater until it stops struggling. I mean, that's what they're doing to you. LinkedIn, on the other hand. Hey, wait, we have to, (laughs) like holding a puppy underwater. I mean, that's just, I just feel bad for this puppy. And you're so, this is why I'm not on Twitter. Yes. Because I do not, I, you know, before I respond to a person or before I respond on social media, I want to be aware of what emotion and feeling I'm communicating. And so They're sometimes great. you see things that trigger you. I do not believe that any, you should give anyone else the ability for you to respond to a trigger. Basically. So why be on Twitter? Because I don't want to drown puppies. That is going to be my new response. Don't want to drown puppies. <laughs> yeah. But LinkedIn is different. LinkedIn makes the vast majority of their income, 80% of their revenue comes from two sources. Um, well, three, but LinkedIn Premium and LinkedIn Sales Navigator. We're going to lump those kind of under one. And LinkedIn Recruiter, which is what people pay, the recruiters pay to be able to access. That drives 80% of LinkedIn's revenue. 20% comes from advertising. Well, now what this means is, is if they allow their platform to become an unpleasant experience, they lose real dollars, not just advertising dollars. And so here are a couple of things that they do to prevent from that experience from happening. One, when you create a post on LinkedIn, it only goes to 10% of your network. Only 10% of the people see it. So uh, I looked at yours, you have 3,900 people connections. Mm -hmm. So that means, let's say 4,000 for easy math. That means if you post something on LinkedIn, 400 people by default will see it. Okay. But if you add a link to that post, that number of 400 will be reduced by between 50 and 80%. So now only 200, maybe 100 to 200 people are going to see that post because you added a link. Right. Now, if you go through your feed, you're going to notice almost everybody adds a link to a YouTube video, to a blog, to something. Here's the other one. If you click the share button, and I know you have because I've looked at your LinkedIn profile. If you hit that share button, LinkedIn will hide that post from up to 99% of your connections because you're simply duplicating content. You're not not creating any value. Right. Which is funny because I shared a post recently um, with Denzel Washington talking about, uh, you know, having manners come back in style. And I just like, can I get an amen? That has probably been my most viewed post. And how many views did you get on it? You remember? Well, okay. I actually don't know, but I've got like 250, 300 likes on it. Okay. So that, and so that kind of broke the rule. And so I'm guessing because I got, it took very little attention from those that saw it. And then those, because it was such a brief thing. They didn't have to read. They didn't have to invest a lot of time. Wait, here's, so hang on. Here's where suddenly I'm going to turn everything you just said on its head. Okay. Okay, so if you click share, it's going to be hidden. Now, when you create a post, LinkedIn is going to score that post for the first hour. It's called the golden hour. 
and it's going to watch what happens with this test group to see what happens. For every time somebody clicks the like button, you're going to get a point. If they click the share button, you're going to get like four points. I can't remember. I might flip that around. If they comment, though, you're going to get eight points. And then they're going to determine how long did somebody spend on the post? How long did they spend reading it? The longer they spent reading it, the more value exponentially they're going to give you to the value of your post, the score. Okay. Because they want people there. And then what they're going to do is they're going to say, how quickly did all of this happen after the post went live? So here's, a, here's something I'm going to tell your audience and I'm going to tell it to you as well. Here's a guarantee I will make for you. I'm going to suggest that your audience and you go create a post on LinkedIn. No pictures, no link. And write about 150 words of text. You could even duplicate a post that you put out yesterday or the day before. It doesn't matter. And I want you to write 150 words of text and then add three or four hashtags. And at this point, it doesn't matter the hashtags. Okay. Now, I'm then going to ask you to reach out to 10 people and ask them to make a comment on that post within the first hour. All right? So there's a couple of ways you can do it, and we're gonna talk about Devin here in just a second, how I taught him how to do this, but here's the guarantee. I don't care how many connections you have, but within the first 24 hours, your post will generate 1,500 views in 24 hours, guaranteed. I don't care what you write about. It doesn't matter. No picture. No link, no video, no images. 150 words of text, three hashtags, and 10 comments. That's the magic formula that will maximize the response you get on LinkedIn. So I told this to Devin, our friend who we talked about earlier in the show. And Devin likes to make a lot of videos. He produces a lot of content. And I got, I said, Devin, stop making the videos for a while. And here, just do what I just suggested. So he did. And it was about, you might have seen it recently, it was about a, a story in the Salt Lake Tribune about how much the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints gives to the communities for nonprofits. And so Devin wrote this up, and the Rotary Club is Rotary International. He wrote it up, did the hashtags, no picture, no links. He then called out several individuals and asked their, I think, Natalie and Paul and Amanda, and he asked their opinions, and they responded. So he got his 10 comments. His so he didn't, he didn't do it before because I've been tagged on a few of his posts. Like he talked about yeah. podcasting and yeah. he was like, gave this really sweet compliment. And I noticed he did it to a lot of different people yep. and because you can't, good. you can't ignore somebody being like, Lita, you're just the greatest. Love you so much. You're going to be like, oh, stop. Let me comment on that. Exactly. But you taught him to do that. Yes. And his post generated just shy of a hundred thousand views in a week. A hundred thousand people. Now he lives his life on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I was convincing him that look, LinkedIn is this vast untapped ocean of potential, but you have to follow the rules. You have to be very specific and reinforce what they want. And they want conversations. They don't want right. likes. They don't want people drive by double click, like, and move on. So we sat down and now you're starting to, yes, he called you out. And I saw that post and it, that post did very, very well because he's using that technique. So this is a way. But he's also networking because no one, knowing that he was doing a strategy, which I assumed, but he was genuine in his comment to me. Yes. 
It's, it's called networking. He was connecting more with me. It works. It is. And this is what we also teach our clients. And that is the comment is the single most powerful tool of influence on LinkedIn. Far and away above posting. Because what happens is, is that if you go through, if you open up your LinkedIn right now and go through your feed, I'm going to guess that in the first five, you're going to see a post from someone you are not connected to. But LinkedIn does not show you posts you're not connected to. They only show you posts from your first degree. Unless a member of your first degree has commented on that post or liked it. And then they're going to, and it doesn't matter. There could be a hundred comments, but they're going to pull their, that post in and show only your comment or the comment of your first degree. So I teach my clients to go find prospects and customers and leave a comment and not just, I agree, thank you, because that has no context. Think about it. Your comment is showing up in hundreds and thousands of people's feeds. And all you have to say is great comment or thank you very much. I agree. No, this is a chance for you to not hijack, but contribute to the conversation in such a way that your influence builds. Thank you for the comment. One of the things that I really appreciate about what you say is this, this, and this. And Devin, what I've seen is this, this, and this. You write up 50 to 75 words and that post now, it's not a post, it's a comment, shows up in the feed of yours. And then if Devin responds or somebody else gets into the, it can drive hundreds and then thousands of people looking at your profile within the first week or two, simply by leaving these type of comments over a, a, a week. So this is what I teach salespeople. And this is what's in the book is about, look, there are rules to follow. And if you follow the rules, the LinkedIn algorithm will drive an incredible amount of traffic to you. One of my clients last year, just shy of 1 million views on LinkedIn, simply because we followed this process. Every once in a while, he'd do a post, he'd get 500 views. And I called him up and I said, stop doing that. He's like, well, I just wanted to share it. I said, send it to me, I'll write it up and I'll show you how to do it properly. It takes a little bit more work but the, re the payoff, you can never get that on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Thousands and then tens of thousands of people in a sh short amount of time paying attention to your content. Yeah, it's true. I actually had somebody reach out to me because I listed a classy comment to somebody being what I call poopy. And I just turned it around and yep. said it in a nice way. And, and they, they reached out, out to me. Right. They reached out to me, which is great networking. And they weren't a first degree and you had no idea who that person was. And suddenly they just come to you and yes. And that's how this starts to work, which is what I talk about in digital first leadership is if you understand how it works and you start applying these rules and get past the bad habit, Instagram habits, I call them. And that is throwing up pretty pictures with quotes on them and getting people to do the drive by double click. You're not actually adding any value to the business conversation. Stop, write it up, tell people what you're thinking, share your opinion and seek comments from people. And uh, you'll start to see an incredible 10 to 100 fold increase in the number of people who are paying attention to your content. Okay, so give me some free coaching here, Richard. On yours? <laughs> yeah, okay. on mine. So I have this podcast that I'm loving. Yep. And we are sharing the links. How do we make it, do we just assume they know how to go look it up on different podcast platforms and not be sharing the links? What's the name? Because on Facebook, it's hashtag share your hotness. Because on Facebook, it's the same. It suppresses it. But you you, know, you want to make it easy for the audience. So we'll boost the post a little bit so that people can see it. And we're gaining. We keep, you know, the, the chart looks good, right? So how could we more effectively share for, say, this interview? Okay. 
perfect, perfect question. I had a client who uh, put out a video post um, and they got six likes on their post. We told them, look, you did it all, all wrong. Here's what you want to do. So if one, you can share a link, but the secret is not to share the link at the time of the post goes live. Okay, let me explain what I just said. You have an episode of your podcast. Let's suppose it's this episode and you want to share this episode with your link. We got to make sure this episode is seen well or it's going to degrade your awesomeness, Richard. <laughs> I am uh, listening. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> so what we're going to do is one, you're going to write up, there's 1300 character limit that can go into a post. 1300 characters, mm -hmm. not words. You're going to maximize that. You're going to write up everything you can in such a way to tell everybody what's on this episode. Not just great episode with Richard. He taught us some great things. Take a listen and you'll learn. No, 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 no. Nobody has the time for that. You want to tell them exactly what's in there. Richard covered this and he covered this and I was surprised by this and he talked about this. As much as you can put in there because people are in a hurry and they're going to scan and read that and then that's going to help them decide. Think about it like a preview for a movie. Mm -hmm. now, great movie, you should watch it. That is not a preview. So Number one, that's what you're going to do. You're going to write it up. Then you're going to say, if you'd like to listen to the podcast, follow this link. Put a colon and leave it blank. No link. And then add three hashtags, three to six hashtags. And the hashtags could be LinkedIn learning or, you know, I was a, I'm a LinkedIn top voices, whatever you want to put in there. Mm -hmm. You then hit post. You're like, wait a minute. I just told everybody to follow a link and there's no link. You hit post, the LinkedIn algorithm notices that there's no link, doesn't dock you, and post and makes it go live. Two seconds later, the algorithm moves really fast. Two seconds later, you click the edit button, cut and paste the link, drop it in. Now, there you go. Everybody sees the link. Now, it won't load the hero image, that preview image. You're like, oh, well, I really wanted that. No, you don't. Human nature says that when we see the picture, the picture causes us to click the like and move on. We are trained by Facebook and Instagram. Click the like and move on. You don't want a picture. You want people to be drawn in and read and not form a judgment immediately by the picture. Well, I need the picture for people to pay attention. No, actually you don't. The algorithm and the human behavior will prevent people from seeing it because of the picture. So you don't want the hero image. You just want text. Think about those posts that Devin's been putting out that you've been tagged in. There's no image. He's using the text only of the LinkedIn algorithm to draw in a conversation. Also, think about it. When you see a, a, a picture or a video, very seldom do you leave a comment about the picture. That it doesn't, it's not in our nature. And a lot of people are on a mobile device. They'll see that picture, tap like, and move on. So that's the secret. You create this 150 word to 200 words. Tell them about the, everything you can. Tell them about the link. Don't add the link. Hit post. Add the link afterwards. Save it. Now it's live. Love it. And you will probably generate and then start tagging people. Hey, Richard, thanks for being a guest. Tag me. Richard, thanks for being a guest. It was great to have you on the show. I really appreciated it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to respond. And suddenly you're going to get those 10 comments and you will drive one to 2,000 views instantly when the first 24 hours, and then it'll start to climb beyond that. Sim similar to what happened to Devin. Very cool. See, this is great information. So you started in history which is a yeah. study of human behavior. Yeah, military and, history, military. Oh, history. okay, why military history? One, uh, I was in the ROTC. I was an officer in the army uh, for many years, artillery officer, fascinated hey. by, by all of that. Um, and so- My was husband was also an artillery, well, he was a signal officer attached to an artillery unit. 
do you know which artillery unit he was attached to? Um, first Cav, okay. First Cavalry. Yes. So he was in Lawton, Oklahoma. Fort Sill, was, Oklahoma. That's right. Those were our Georgia and um, Oklahoma were our newlywed days. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. What year was that? Um, that would have been when we got married in 98. Okay. I was so there we were, in, I was there in 90. I was there during Desert Storm. I was at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Yeah. He was just between both. He was deployed to Bosnia. Um, and it was a little bit scary when it got called because they were bombing. Yeah. But then when he got there, it was fine. So yeah, yeah. they were protecting him because he managed the important stuff. He managed the securities and the computers. Right. And you should see the passwords at this house. I bet. Yeah, I they bet. are. We are secure. <laughs> you I know, bet. you have provided so much value today, Richard. Thank you so much for doing that. I definitely want to get a book. So after we go off, I'll make sure that I get a book signed by you. Okay, I'll make sure that to, happens. To my dear friend, Lita, you know, those kinds of things that I've known Absolutely. forever. No, just teasing. <laughs> right. We have. We've yeah. known each other in, in the virtual world. I mean, internet speed, we've known each other a lifetime. We got introduced. We both stalked each other. Because yep. I'm like, I don't want this to be some boring interview. Hopefully and I, I knew it wouldn't be because okay. I stalked you. It looked good. <laughs> I'm like, and Devin said he's great. So it'll be awesome. And you gave amazing pearls of wisdom and LinkedIn stuff. And we're, I'm going to change it. Like I took notes. I'm oh, going to change it how I did it. So thank you so much, Richard, for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness and sharing about your wife and your picker and how to be picked on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. This is great. Thank you for having me as a guest. Of course. Thank you, Richard. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.